Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Basements. It's a blood sport Wednesday. Uh, I've got a basketball. I've got a dart. I have a guest. His name is Josh Allen. He plays starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. He is coming in shortly. We will talk about the Titans game. We will talk about the Miami Dolphins game that's coming up this week, 2-0 versus 2-0. And most importantly, Peyton Manning was here last week. He said Josh Allen should familiarize himself with National Lampoon's Vacation from 1983, starring Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. Did Josh Allen watch the film? And what are his thoughts? It's the 2022 Josh Allen Film Festival. It continues, and we will assign him a new one for Dolphins Week, which is a short week, so we appreciate him coming in. Uh, All kinds of stuff to get into today. Dan Campbell sound, still 49ers wash out. But again, we're going to start with that American football conference. So many things going on. Let's see if I can stay hot from the free throw line. Go to the Sky Cam, if you please. Go to the Sky Cam. Here we go. Bump, bump, bump. Brant for the free throw. The team needs it. I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. It was an awful brick. Uh, we will rebuild. I think that gets me back below 50%. I was almost uh, sort of uh, razzed by the crowd in that one, but I'll make up for it. I can take that. Like, let's get into what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. Come on, everybody. Welcome I, uh, to what I love. See, it's right there. I'm looking down over the sunglasses. Punchable face. Don't deny it. I love what you love. I love what everybody loves right now. I love the Miami Dolphins. I love the 2022 Miami Dolphins. I love the opportunity that we have coming up. This week, I already said it in the open, Dolphins, Bills in Miami. All right? This is 2-0 versus 2-0. And I love this because I'm trying to think in my lifetime. I was born in 1979. Have the Miami Dolphins ever in those 43 years, been the biggest story in the NFL. Number one out of 32, or even back to 30 when there were 30 teams. Ever? And for for football reasons, or any reasons, I think if they win this game against Buffalo, if they do, they will be the number one story in the league. It's McDaniel, it's Tua, it's, oh my God, the Dolphins are cool. It is that kind of possibility. It is that opportunity for the Miami Dolphins. And what do I tell you guys all the time? I like fresh, I like new, I like variety. In my lifetime, the biggest the Dolphins have ever been Dan Marino's uh, second year, he threw for 5,000 yards, which is a hilarious stat for the early 80s. They went to the Super Bowl. They lost. That was probably the biggest story, I guess, in the league, but they still lost. 1985, they beat the 85 Bears. That was a huge thing for one week, but they didn't get to play them again in the Super Bowl. They never got back. And then since then, it's just this team. The end of the Marino era, it was always this washout. He was a sensation, but they never really amounted to much. And then since then, they have been just one of the lower tier franchises. It's just that it is what it is, guys. And you know why the McDaniel thing is so huge? Because over the last 15 years, while you, me, have been consuming football, and football has been an all-time popular level ever, they've had eight coaches. Eight coaches in 15 years! Don Shula was there for 25 years, eight coaches in 15 years, leading up to Mike McDaniel, who can change it and try to break the cycle. Come with me right now. Let's go all the way back. Starting last year, who do we have? We had Brian Flores, who became yet another guy who fizzles out after coming from Belichick. The thing went down in flames, and there was the tanking and all sorts of accusations. Before that, Adam Gase, two-time loser in the NFL now. I like Adam Gase as a person, and he did get them to the playoffs. Done. Dan Campbell, our guy Dan Campbell, was the interim head coach for the Miami Dolphins. That didn't work out. Joe Philbin, an old guy, didn't work out. Todd Bowles, current Buccaneers head coach, interim coach, head coach for the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, it didn't work out. Tony Sperano, the late Tony Sperano. He actually won the division with them. Remember the Wildcat year with Ronnie Brown? They beat the Patriots during the Tom Brady injury year. Didn't work out either. And then before that, you have to go to Cam Cameron, who lasted one season, and then you're into Saban. See what I'm saying? The Dolphins are just one of these teams... The complete opposite of the Patriots and the Steelers. Coach, 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 coach. They try young guys. They try old guys. They try loud guys. They try quiet guys, offensive guys, defensive guys. They never work. Will Mike McDaniel work? We don't know. But I'll tell you, if he beats Buffalo, the number one team in the nation, it it is the story. Monday morning on this show, on every show, on everything you consume, Dolphins, 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 the first time in your life. I would actually argue is maybe the biggest thing the Dolphins have ever been in our lifetime, unless you go back to 72. Is it honestly Ace Ventura? Is that the biggest thing? Ace Ventura was a huge hit, massive in theaters, even bigger on a DVD, not even DVD, home video. That's like, a, there's a whole generation of people, I think maybe I'm even part of it, that when I think the 
Dolphins, the first thing I think of is a movie about a kidnapped dolphin, an actual dolphin named Snowflake that a pet detective has to rescue. That's the biggest thing. Pet detective is out. Ace Ventura is out if Mike McDaniel can win this game. Now, if they get blown away by the number one team in the nation and Buffalo wins 38 to 10, which if you know anything about the recent history of this Bills, this Sean McDermott era against the Dolphins, it's disgusting. It's terrible. They, they don't just beat them every time. It's, it's like, well, we'll go to other action and keep you posted on the Dolphins' Bills. Like, get out of this. This game is awful. If the Bills win this game 38-10, to 10, then it's back to the shallow end. You're still the same Dolphins. Bring on the pet detective. Bring on Courtney Cox. Bring on Tone Loke. Just play that movie right now because it's all as big as you're ever going to be. It is a massive, massive backhanding back to the shallow end. So huge game this weekend, guys. If the Bills win, it's just more of the same. Warming up for that Kansas City week. And we'll ask Josh about it today. We'll ask about his preparation on a short week. And how do you prepare for a team that you dominate? And you know you dominate. And every time you go down to Miami, you destroy them. How do you prepare for it? We should take wagers on what Josh is going to say. All the stuff he's really fun about. And then you get that game face on when you ask him about the game that week. I mean, appropriately. And he'll say things like, well, you know, we just got to keep getting better. This is a different team now. They have a different head coach and um, all kinds of different weapons. And obviously we have a history against Tyreek and we got to prepare for him. And, you know, the past is the past and this is the present. Like he'll just be locked in. Ding, 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 ding. 158.3 with his answer. We'll play it out right here in the screen you're looking at right now. The Warrior will be here. It'll be a different picture back there, but that will be Josh. I'm excited for this game. Alrighty, guys, this is the NFL season. Just once we hit it, bang, game, 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 game. It's incredible. We got Brown Steelers tomorrow night. It's just, it goes on and on in this beautiful heroin-induced hamster wheel that we just run on till February. That could be what I love in and of itself. But let's get to what I hate. We're going to go to the NFC. What I hate, please, giving me in a Cobra Kai outfit. Go ahead. I hate the Trey Lance blame game. We're still in the washout of the season and injury for Trey Lance of the 49ers. I've seen this before. When someone gets hurt, a big quarterback injury, we, the fans, want someone to blame. We just, we want to go to somebody's Wikipedia and deface it. We want to harass someone on social media. We want someone to blame. It could be... Uh, the, the lineman who missed his block. It could be the guy in practice who hit the quarterback by accident and hurt his knee. We just want someone, right or wrong, we want the pound of flesh. And sometimes it comes from the head coach. There is a thing going on right now as we prepare for Jimmy Garoppolo to take over for the Niners, who, let's be honest, are probably going to be really good this year, in no small part because they now have the best quarterback playing for them on their team. But when people go after the Niners, they want blood. And they want it from Kyle Shanahan. And he was asked... Pretty pointedly, which a question I respect and an angle I respect from the Bay Area media, he was asked, Coach, um, maybe the play calling and maybe you running around Trey Lance actually led to this injury. Listen to how terse, how razor sharp this response is from Kyle Shanahan. Go ahead. Then I just answer that. It's just after a severe injury and, and seeing <laughs> something similar happen in Arizona. It's, I guess, just how do you balance the risk versus the reward? Um... Just because, I mean, you guys watch other teams in this league? I mean, Buffalo does it all the time um, with their quarterbacks. It's a pretty normal play. Um, it's part of football, and it's unfortunate that he hurt his ankle on it. But well, it's, it's a very Perry. normal ran play. You guys should watch some other people. All right, so let's recap there. We had a didn't I just answer that? Do you guys, other watch, do you guys watch other football games? And then again, he didn't, wasn't satisfied with one of those. He had to chase it with... You guys should watch other people. Um, this is not a made-up thing. This is not a straw man thing where people are angry about Trey Lance and they're just imaginary, no one's saying it. Let me just listen to you right now. Marcus Thompson of The Athletic. Shanahan said the quarterback runs up the middle. He called for Lance had the same type of play. Josh Allen runs all the time. But Allen has an inch and about 20 pounds on Lance. Lance is essentially being forced to be a player. He's probably not a run-first quarterback. Uh, again, I respect the take. I don't totally agree with it. Trey Lance is a 6'4", 225-pound guy who runs a 4'5", That is an imposing height, weight, speed ratio. We'll get to more of that. Uh, the Guru is a local radio host on 95.7 The Game. Again, I respect all these people. It says Kyle Shanahan treated Trey Lance like a fullback and put him in harm's way. They have a fullback on this team. His name's Kyle Juszczyk. I believe he was blocking on that play. Let's move on, though. Um, Peter Pansy of Niners Noise, a 49ers blog. 
Yes, 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan should receive a good deal of heat for how he handled Trey Lance leading up to the quarterback's season-ending injury in Week 2. I, I can't get there. Well, I'll say one more time. I, I, it, there's a compelling thing right now where there has been a lot of injuries for the 49ers. The quarterback gets injured a lot. A lot. They have a very high injury rate, especially for some of their star players. And I see the take there. I just can't get there. In this day and age, it's much different. It's much different than 15 years ago. It's much different than five years ago. If you have a quarterback who can run, they run. And it works. They have Trey Lance on the team because it can, he can run. Because he runs a 4-5-40 and he is a big dude. If they wanted a guy who was going to play a little safer and not run around, you just keep Garoppolo. But there is a lot of guys around here who... If this, if people run now, guys. Point to, the, point to the strictly pocket quarterback who's risk-adverse and doesn't ever take any hits in the league right now. Who's successful and wins. Brady? Maybe Rodgers is getting there, but everybody's running. It's not just Lamar Jackson. It's not just Kyler Murray. It's not just John Allen, Josh, Josh Allen. Trevor Lawrence runs. Joe Burrow runs. Justin Herbert. People run. They all run, especially when you draft them to run, especially when you draft them at that size. What are they going to do? Trey Lance just stand back there and pass? I just can't get there. And people are even going so far as to bring up Shanahan and his dad and the Robert Griffin the third thing and as if this is sort of some family trait that there's something in the Shanahan genetics that make them want to hurt quarterbacks like they have a fetish for it they get off on it they're one of these SNM maniacs who's like yeah hurt my quarterback it's hot I love it uh, RG3 uh, was injured in a playoff game at the end of it I remember when he was trying to pick up a bad snap and slipped on the worst turf that a playoff game's ever been played on yeah, I think Mike Shanahan was a little fast and loose with RG3, but RG3 was a track star. You run him. It's just, I, I can't imagine a, a scenario in which Kyle Shanahan would say, yeah, that's our bad. You know, we, we should have protected Trey. No, you run him around, and the injury gods are cruel, and they demand sacrifice. And I just cannot get there. I know everybody wants someone to blame, but I hate the idea that what was Kyle Shanahan thinking? It feels very hindsight 2020. And look, they get injured on that team. They have a really physical style of play. Fullbacks, tight ends, running game, handing off to wide receivers. There's injuries, but there's winning. They get to the playoffs. They win playoff games. So if he's getting everybody hurt and it's just the body's hitting the floor every single year, he'd be gone if he wasn't winning. But this is what he does. And guess what's going to happen now that Trey Lance is out? They're going to keep on winning. It sucks that Trey Lance got hurt. It's unfortunate. But A, I think the Niners of 2022 are better for it. And B, I think we're reaching if we're just saying Kyle Shanahan is some sort of assassin of quarterbacks, knees, backs, arms, legs. He's a really good coach who wins every single year and knows what he's doing. I don't blame him for this. Let's cleanse the palate a little bit. You know what we should get to? We should get to something that we call what's hilarious. Come on. All right, we see a lot of people, a lot of people, try to make the classic hashtag viral video and uh, just whiff. They put money into it. They put thought into it. They've got writers, resources. This is the most brilliant idea. They're going to love it, and they're going to love it on Twitter, and then the really cool people are going to love it on Reddit. It just falls on their face. The exception is a young, uh, hose-armed quarterback trying to walk on for the Penn State Nittany Lions named Chad Powers. Have you seen the Eli video? The Eli video from this week, my, my colleague, really, my de facto, one of my employers, objectivity be damned, I'll just put it on the table, uh, made a video in which he went deep in disguise as a Penn State walk-on. Um, the only person who knew about it was James Franklin, the head coach of Penn State, and he goes out there with the rest of the walk-ons, and they're in the facility, and he goes and exercises and workouts. It works out, and I, I think it is what everyone is chasing. It's so well done and so believable, and it's one of those things where when you swipe and you swipe and you swipe and then you stop and you click on it and then you click the little thing with the X over the volume so you can hear it, you don't keep swiping. You actually sit there like an internet lemming and you just watch the whole thing. It's like Jack Horner. You want to see how the story ends. You just sit in it. Um, here's a little clip when he's out there and he's talking. as He's just throwing. This is Eli Manning. I think he's been retired for, what, five years? Not four years, I guess. Uh, and uh, he's just throwing it around. He's talking about his character, Chad Powers, deep in character about how he was homeschooled and uh, talking about his mother. Go ahead. I was homeschooled, so I never played ball. Really? Pick up ball. Watch a lot of film, though. 
Love that. My mom was my coach. Mom was what? Mom was my coach and my teacher. <laughs> you get good grades? No. <laughs> she, Tough teacher? She went very smart. She's a good coach, though. Love that. <laughs> All right, so if you haven't seen it, <laughs> the look on Eli, he looks like something from one of the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, he looks like one of, he looks like the hobbits. He looks like a hobbit. I, I don't know if it's Bilbo or Frodo. It's more like one of those wacky, goofy ones that follows them around. Also including the hair. The nose is very hobbit-like. The hair is either Tolkien or it looks like Beck in the 90s. He's got a bad mustache, but he's huge. He's an absolutely huge passer. So he's out there, and we're watching this video, and I say, listen, we, we kind of work with Eli. We're here. You know, we're, we're at Omaha. Give us some background on this video, because if you're listening to me right now, if you're watching me right now, I'm sure you've seen the video. Um, here's the deal. we got the background. This is behind the music. So none of the players on the coaches on the field knew. Head coach James Franklin was kind of observing nobody out there. Uh, by the end, they knew something wasn't right because Eli's stature, like I said, alone, Eli's 6'5". He's a massive guy. He was the tallest person there by far. The other walk-on, this poor kid, who's now a star, looks like he's about 5'6". Um, and then there, people are like, why are all these cameras here at, at the walk-on trout? And why are they showing this guy so much? Penn State told the players and the coaches the NFL Films was coming to shoot their magazine-style show, NFL Films Presents, and they were doing a segment on the best walk-ons in college football history, so the players thought it was cool. More. We got all the inside info. We know Eli. He helps keep the, keep the lights on here. They had a close call. When, when you're watching this, you're like, I know he's got the makeup and the wig on, but can't people kind of tell that it looks like Eli Manning? They had a close call, uh, kind of a smoking gun moment, when the other quarterback trying out asked Eli why he had tape on the back of his neck. Apparently there's like some athletic tape or something that when he throws, you can see. Uh, Eli's, the hair and makeup team had used, <laughs> this is great. They had used tape on Eli, or Chad Power's neck to make him look younger, to like tape it back, basically to give him like a facelift or a neck lift, that's true. And Eli said, how great is Eli on his toes? Maybe he had that preloaded. When the guy said, what's with the tape on the back of your neck? Eli, in character as Chad Powers said, he was covering up a bad tattoo. Why? Because that seems like something that Chad would have. Probably it was, you know, like some sort of weapon, like an axe, or maybe like some pretentious symbol that, uh, you know, Chad Powers would have, like an onk or something like that, but he said he was covering it up. All right, as for the hair and makeup to getting Eli to look like Chad Powers, about a month before the shoot, they went to Eli's house with like a cast, a mold, kind of, you know, like Mrs. Doubtfire goes and she's got a full Pierce Brosnan and Sally Field, so she goes and gets the mold made, or I guess Robin Williams goes. And then Robin Williams has to get another one. That's what they did with Eli. He was in the makeup chair for three hours, becoming Chad Powell. Look how hot he is. I mean, I said he looked like a hobbit, but now when he's running, he looks majestic. Then there was, um, they were a little nervous about the Chad Powers prosthetics falling off. So the plan was for Chad to have, you know, like a safe word. Like if there's a problem, if you feel the prosthetic is falling off, we need a code word. So what would Chad Powers code word be? Would it be, I don't know, um, go route or water break or uh, I got to tie my shoe, something football related, right? No, the Chad Powers code phrase was, I have to take a dump. If Chad was just throwing and he felt his face falling off, be like, oh man, I have to take a dump. They'd be like, red alert, red alert, get Chad's face up. That was, that's a real story. And the crew knew something was off if he would say that and they would meet him in the lobby and they would fix his face and all that. I have additional info on Chad Powers. From no less than Eli Manning himself, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm really cool. I text Eli this. I said, Eli, you got so deep into character. The hair and makeup was just part of it. It was mostly your portrayal as Chad Powers. I said, you know, who was your muse? Like, who was your inspiration from this? He gave two names, two fine fict fictional Americans. He said, Uncle Kenny Powers and Uncle Rico. This is a, this is a combination of Rico and Powers. And I do not think it's a coincidence that Chad Powers' last name is Kenny Powers. I think there might even be a backstory there or a spinoff or a sequel or a prequel where we find out that Chad is related to Kenny. It's all excellent. It's all well thought out, well acted. And as we've said for the last couple of years, we thought Peyton was the funny one. Peyton, United Way, SNL, brilliant commercials. And then Eli's just come surging. It's an amazing thing that he's done. It's just... Old Eli, younger brother, good quarterback, great, two Super Bowls, kind of the guy who just goes with the flow. No, he's awesome. And Chad Powers, this is his Daniel Day-Lewis, like Daniel Plainview, or maybe the My Left Foot. Like, this is his signature performance so far. Peyton has United Way. 
Eli has that maniac in a mustache talking about I got to take a dump because his face is falling off. I love this. It's what's hilarious. It's what everyone wants to do. Maybe we'll get Eli in here someday to talk about it. But until then, Kenny Powers, Uncle Rico, brilliant, brilliant portrayal. Eli, we love you and we cannot wait for Chad Powers too. In the meantime, um, we have our own answer to Chad Powers. I don't know if you know him. He's the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. He's got a hose arm too as well. His name is Josh Allen and let's get into it right now. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And there is. I'm excited because I'm caffeinated by the JA17 blend. And we're going to get to that in a minute. He's excited because he's 2-0. He's flanked by Tommy Shelby, the Joker, Iron Man. Josh Allen, what's up, dude? <laughs> Just hanging out. Great, great to be back on. Uh, I'm fired up to see you. Uh, we got a big game this weekend. But before we go any further, Josh, we have to do something a little bit ceremonial. I think it's only right uh, that we should, before we go on, to honor America with the singing of our national anthem. We're going to go to Laramie, Wyoming. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Josh's dad, Joel Allen. Roll it! USA! USA! Uh, Josh, tell us about this. You're smiling. What did we just watch and listen to? <laughs> I mean, my dad got the boys pumped up. We were 16.5-point dogs against the Air Force. Um, you know, some friendly rivalries between me and my receivers coach, Chad Hall. So he, he texted me. He was like, bet you 100 push-ups. And I said, my dad's singing the national anthem tonight. He's going to get the boys pumped. You're on. So um, they ended up winning the game. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of the Cowboys, but I'm proud of my, for my dad for going out there and doing that. He sang national anthems as a kid, you know, in baseball games and our football games growing up. So for him to do that in a, in a bigger stage, it was pretty cool to see. And he hit the closing note, like with like the three notes in it. Like he brought the house down. Josh, I've told you this. I got to meet your dad randomly in an airport once. Love the guy. Great handshake. Uh, I love that he brought the house down and inspired the team. People want to know, though. Let's talk about the Allen family genetics. Are, are you a singer? Absolutely not. There's no, no, no artistic musical bone in my body. Um, it, it's weird. Like my, my uncle, both my uncles, I mean, one played the guitar, one played the drums. Yeah. So they've, they've got all the music talent in the world. I took guitar lessons for four months at, you know, 13, 14 years old. And I was like, mom, I, I can't do this. I, I retain nothing. My <laughs> fingers don't work that way. But after watching Whiplash, I might, I might have to think about it. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, you and I love Whiplash, the jazz drumming thing. Mm -hmm. It's weird that you could be so good with your hands with the football, but if you try to play, like, I don't know, what were they trying to play, Wonderwall or something on guitar? It was just going nowhere? <laughs> I, I was just, yeah, I was just trying to learn chords and progressions and all. I mean, I couldn't even tell you because it was so just not my thing that I was over and done with it. Well, the Allen family music talent goes to Big Joel, and we respect it, and this country needs it. It was an awesome rendition. Josh, let me shift gears with you dramatically. We saw the Monday Night Football game. It was incredible. You guys did great against the Titans. Uh, everything was great with one exception. Your young teammate, Dane Jackson. This is a third-year corner, great young player, great teammate. He went down, had to be removed from the field. It's a couple days later. What is the word on Dane, and where's your head at with this? Yeah, I mean, he, he's back in the building right now. Um, obviously, he's... 
he's up, he's at him. Um, scary moment, obviously, when, when you got a, a teammate, especially, you know, a guy that's such as good as Dane, just as a person, like everybody loves him. So we were very, very relieved to see him. He, uh, we had a little birthday party for one of our linemen last night, Jordan Phillips, uh, D lineman. Uh, he was there hanging with the guys. So he's, he's doing much, much better. Um, you know, very scary in the moment, but we're, we're very happy and relieved to see him moving the way he is. Uh, I am too. And this is not a Bills thing. This is a national thing. Everyone is talking about this. We're all happy for him. And I'm not surprised if you guys are rallying around him as a team. I know the Bills fan base is doing the same thing. We here at the basement are also thinking about Dane Jackson. Um, and I appreciate that we got to get to that early because I know you feel strongly about it. The other, yeah. the rest of the game, Josh, it was a great night with, the, with that one exception, of course, but the football was excellent. I want to ask you about, I mean, three touchdowns to Diggs. The second one was just a strike. So you had the one on fourth down early and then the one late. Take me through the one deep down the middle. Just, like, just do the storytelling behind that play, the second touchdown to Diggs. Well, I mean, if you look at the progression of that drive, it was quick out to Diggs, look past to Diggs, stop to Diggs, quick out. Like, I was going after him. Like, I, I just I, – I trusted him. I was trusting what I was seeing. Coach Dorsey was putting the ball in our hands. Um, you know, we had a third down play where we got them to jump off sides, had a free play. He runs screaming, hauling down the field, takes one play on the sidelines back in the game. And for him to just keep pushing and keep grinding – and to have that play called as a deep post, um, you know, they ended up going like a junk invert Tampa. Uh, a lot of people are going to say that's one high, but that corner has got basically the half of the field. So when he's pressed like that and they want to play that junk Tampa look, you know, he's got to play not only digs, but he's got to, he's just got to run and get out of there. And once digs widen him with his route, um, it was game over from that standpoint, the safety bit up on our little um, middle route, if you will. And uh, you know, he, he tracked the ball down, made an unbelievable catch and did the weirdest celebration I've ever seen in my life. I just kind of stood there. I was like, what are you, what the heck are you doing, dude? Like, I don't know what this is, what dance this is, where you saw this, get up and celebrate me, with me. Let's get back on the sideline. It's a strange dynamic to watch at home too, because you're so excited and you want to like hug and celebrate with your brother, but you also know that they're trying to do some sort of art. And so you like want to stay out of their way and not cramp their style. Like, how do you handle that? And did you ever get an answer on what he was doing? What was that? I still don't know. We were talking about that today. Um, <laughs> it beats me. I, I literally just stood there, like didn't move. I was just kind of frozen for three or four seconds and then finally got up and I just stuck my face mask into his and tried to hit him and knock him out of it, you know? Well, if we're being fair and equal, Josh, you've done some pretty wild stuff after you've scored too. I think you could probably relate. Nothing like that, though. Yeah, that, that was uh, – <laughs> go back and watch it if you haven't because it was funky. All right. No, I'm thinking about the one against Houston in the playoff game. Like, you, you, you oh. know, what, that one, that was that, I mean, that was nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's a tribute to John Brown. That was what Smoke used to do. So, you know, I've got to show love to my teammates. And, yeah, so because he threw me the touchdown pass on that play. Yeah. So, and it so rolls reversed. It I had to do it for him. Yes. That's great. All right, well, what we need someday, you just said it. We need Diggs to throw you a touchdown at some point, and then you have to do whatever the hell he just did against yeah. the Titans. That's the deal. <laughs> all right all right you got it we have it on tape now um something else is fascinating from this game and this is going to be something to look at moving forward so what if the event that coach says we're kicking or we're punting like can you say like no like we're going for it i got this how does that work in the heat of the moment probably not if there's a timeout situation where it's like all right let's talk about it. it's like hey like we've got the perfect play for the situation put it in our hands trust us and um mm -hmm. I'm usually fairly persuasive in those situations. Are you? What, I mean, what's McDermott I like am. to hear? What's the skeleton key? How do you do it? You know, um, usually it's just like, trust me. That's it. You yeah. know what's weird? Josh, you played Thursday. You played Monday. So to start two weeks of the season, you're home on Sundays. Do you watch the games? Do you sit around and watch NFL games? I watch them all. Red zone. Do you? Oh, yeah. Do you watch Scott Hansen or I, I, Siciliano? Who's your guy? Hans, Scott. Like, he's, he's the best in the game. He, he's there for nine <laughs> hours straight. No, in, uh, no, no commercials. It's, it's fantastic. I love ball, man. You like the Octobox? I do. I do. Start the day off. Nice little Octobox to go. And then, you know, rarely will you get a quad box going on. But um, I know. You know this, there are some exciting games uh, on Sunday. What stood out to you of all the things? What you saw? What impressed you? 
you know, first two weeks of the season, um, still, still, and I, I say this lightly, there's, there's still some bad ball out there and knocking mm-hmm. off the rust, communicating um, some missed tackles still. So, you know, first two weeks of the season, sometimes that, that doesn't really show what a team really is. Um, so there's not a whole lot to be learned from the first two weeks of the season as we're starting to get in this, you know, weeks three, four, and five, they'll really tell you about the character of a team and, uh, and who they're going to be going forward. But the first two weeks are kind of like, we don't know who we are yet. We don't have our identity. So, um, you know, luckily the, the, the foundation that we have set here in Buffalo and bringing back Dorsey and most of the guys here on offense, we, uh, we have a pretty good grasp of, of who we are, what we want to be. Um, we did a good job of executing the first two weeks, but we got to put our best foot forward against a really good Miami team coming up. Well, you said it, man. You know who looked great in the first two weeks? The Dolphins. Let me ask you this. We have an, you and I have a relationship where there's certain things you don't say because you're a good teammate and a professional, and I'll just put them out there. Josh, you've done really, really, really well against Miami early in your career, not only with a lot of winning, but a lot of lopsided wins. How do you prepare for a team? or What's the challenge of preparing for a team that you've already had so much success against year after year? Well, I mean – you know, I think this is every year is different. Every every game is different. You go into um, each game with a different game plan, and you know, to to see what they are, and then when you play them, especially when it's an, an in division rival, you're playing them twice a year, so they're going to switch it up. They're going to show you looks that they normally wouldn't show because they know our tendencies, and we'd like to think that we know their tendencies. So. Um, both sides, I mean, in-game adjustments and seeing how they're going to play us, um, that's really going to be the key early on, just trying to figure out, you know, what situations they're bringing pressure in, um, what types of pressures they're bringing, what can we do to combat that, and then, you know, how can we make plays going forward. Um, but, again, they've got some some great players on their side of the ball. Um, you know, two is playing fantastic right now, which is, you know, it sucks as a Bills fan and a, and a Bills player to see. You don't want to see your – uh, division rivals winning football games, but you know I'm I'm proud of him for you know all the adversity and stuff and all the naysayers and stuff like that. I can relate to a lot of that. So um, he's just he's playing really good football right now, and I hate to see it, but it's uh you know it's very good for him. I think it's really cool for you to say that because I think there's a lot of people in their own positions who are proud of of Tua, and there's, he seems like such a great guy. He's different. He's a he lefty. Really he's been through so much. You know. Yeah, he really is. And every time I've interacted with him, he has been like the the coolest, nicest person that you can think of. And yeah. um, again, it, it 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 it's hard to not root for a guy like that. Um, it just so happens that he's in our division. So uh, you know, you know, especially when he's playing against us, we we can't root for that. You know what, Tua? You could do a lot worse than starting the season two and one. That's fine. It's a lot to build on. We wish you the best, except for when you play us again. Josh, we, um, we do something here called watching film, as if you don't have enough film to watch about the Miami Dolphins. Uh, first off, we started watching the movie Heat. You flew to L.A., you watched the movie Heat, you loved it. Uh, we didn't get you this, but Josh, did you have, would you give a letter grade to Heat? Like, what would be your official letter grade for De Niro, Pacino, and Heat? I would have given it a, uh, a solid B. A solid B. All right, we can build on yeah, that. Yeah, which is um, which is good. Last I, I, week, I really enjoyed it. Oh, it's great. It's it. Fun. I enjoyed it so much. I put it in my uh, little hype video on Instagram, and I texted you, and I was like, "You might appreciate what I just posted." So uh, that was that was a pretty good edit. Oh Our gosh. team did. You guys got to watch it because it's like, all right, Bill's highlight. This is cool. This is cool, and then all of a sudden. De Niro's just saying, you do what you do. I do what I do. Take down scores, and it's Allen the touchdown. It was so cool. I mean, your team absolutely crushed it. But last week. Uh, Peyton Manning, no less, challenged you to watch 1983's National Lampoon's Vacation. You can be honest with us, Josh. Did you watch the film? I did watch it. I did watch it. Yeah, and I, I loved it. I think Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase was, I mean, he's hilarious. I've seen Christmas uh, Vacation before. I've never seen uh, the regular Vacation. Um, yeah, so I, I have seen, I, I know I'm very familiar with that type of comedy, and that's right up my alley. It's the very dry humor. Yeah. Um, you know, similar to like an airplane or something like that. So I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So I appreciate Peyton for putting me on that one because I probably wouldn't have watched it unless uh, you told me to. In 1983, you were born in 96. That'd be like me watching like yeah. Elvis movies. Like it's a totally, totally different deal. Letter grade for vacation, Josh. We'll just start making a list for the film festival. What do you think? See, I, I'm more of a comedy guy, right? And I, I love okay. I know you are. light, um, but I, I like the action, all that stuff. 
um, for for the genre. And you, I rate them by genre. I, like if I sure. if I if I rated this an A, it's not that I think it's better than Heat. I'm just saying in this genre, this mm-hmm. I, I'm giving it an A minus. Of course, A minus. <clears throat> Absolutely beautiful. Uh, this is crazy. This is crazy. It's in the swimming pool. Christy Brink. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Fantastic. <laughs> it's just that's going. The park's closed. I the feel perfectly at easy in the front, You know. Yeah. <laughs> It's the best. So, uh, listen, this yeah. week, you got another road trip. Uh, just And the tales of you saying comedy, let's give you a movie about a guy who has to go to uh, prison for murder. You got to watch Shawshank. The Shawshank Redemption, okay. 1994. We talked about it. You haven't seen it. Uh, it's going to go a lot of places. And there is a football tie. Morgan Freeman does reference five football fields. So watch it. You will love it. We will talk about it next week. Does that sound good? It sounds like a plan. I'll, it's something I got to watch. I know I've had to watch it for a long time. Big Morgan Freeman fan. So, um, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe I'll get one of these up if I love it. I'll, and I'm going to start adding to this collection up here. These are some of my favorite movies slash shows. I've got a few more that I got to put up. But, uh, you know, this whole wall will be eventually filled with movies that I, I love. Wait till you see the irony of what you just said about a poster on the wall. That's all I'm going to say. Josh, we got to get you out of here because it's a short week. But how great is this? This is the JA-17 blend. I've been drinking it. It's got a little bean with laces on it, like a football. Can you please tell us about what this is, Josh? Because the entire Brandt family is drinking it on the daily. Yep, so the PLBSE is a company. They've they've been so grateful and and gracious for me. Um, This is the JA-17 blend. It's a nice coffee roast. Uh, It's actually very, very good. Um, I don't drink coffee often, but when I do, I do drink this, so... It helps me, you know, be energized in the morning. But again, all the proceeds, I, I see nothing of it. It goes straight to the Oshai yep. Children's Hospital and the Patricia Allen Fund, which was what I'm so happy about. Like, there, there's a, a, I've got the blend. I've got the cereal. I've got uh, the wing sauces. And again, that goes straight to the hospital. Um, you know, the hat for New Era that I just uh, helped come out with, it goes straight to the hospital. So um, it's something that I, I love doing um, because it's going to such a great cause. And again, I can't think the bill's mafia enough for you know welcoming me and opening and opening their arms and embracing me the way they have especially with the products that are being put out because again it goes straight to shy and um you know i couldn't think of a better way to honor my grandmother than you know doing that how great is this guy he doesn't have to do it but he does all proceeds go josh i can tell you as someone who wakes up every day at four in the morning this gets the job done it is delicious. I have a hot cup every single morning. I was supposed to show the 10-pack instead of the 36-pack. I'm like, I already drank it. It's, it's in the recycling. It's gone. I love that. I love All that. proceeds go to Oshai Children's Hospital. Bill's Mafia, you know what you guys need? Some caffeine. Go get this stuff at Wegmans. It's the only place you can get it. Uh, Josh, thank you. We'll do uh, all the old stuff. We'll do the film festival next time. We'll do uh, age-old question. You got a game to prepare for. Cannot thank you enough. You're the man, and I hope you guys go three and all. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Kyle. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That's our guy right there, Josh Allen, out of Wyoming via Fireball, California. He's going to Miami. Will he be 3-0 next time we talk? Probably will be. Until then, an undefeated player right here in Kyle Brandt's basement. Actually, he's in his own house. He beams into Kyle Brandt's basement. It's Sam Pepper with something that we call Brandt Awareness. What's up, Pepper? How you feeling? What do you got? What's going on? Uh, not much. I got some headlines for you, if, if you right. feel like hearing them. All right. First up, it's a, it's official. Mike Evans' one-game suspension was upheld by the league. The Bucks will be without him against the Packers. Also, the NFL sent a warning letter to Bruce Arians. Apparently, Arians was on the white stripe of the field reserved for the players, coaches, and officials during that altercation. Well, Bruce is no longer the head coach of the Bucks, as we know, so he's not really supposed to be there. He's in the role of senior football consultant now. So what do you make of all the news out of Tampa? A lot of news out of Tampa. First things first with the Bruce Arians thing. It is very strange. I I don't know if you guys track this. Uh, Week one for the Tampa, they're playing at Dallas. Uh, Bruce Arians, they show him on the broadcast. He's way up in the booth. He's got a Hawaiian shirt on. He's just, he's kind of just watching. He probably has a drink, whatever, doing his thing. Next week, he is down on the sideline wearing Buccaneers red chirping like Bruce Arians does at refs, at players, doing everything. This is this is not right. Like, we got to pick. Are you Uncle Bruce up there in the Hawaiian shirt, which is great? Are you down there on the field still being the head coach? Probably not great. It feels very strange. Like, from the get-go, 
I mean, I still think Brady brokered this whole thing. I think Brady was done with Bruce Arians, and they're like, well, we love Bruce. We want to keep him here. Uh, I think we're going to have Todd Bowles, the head coach, and no one will ever admit that because you get struck by lightning if you say anything bad about Brady. That's a different issue. But it, it's like the, the mom and dad got divorced, but dad is still living there, like standing next to mom while she's making dinner, talking to the kids. It's, it's so awkward. And I think it exacerbated what happened in the game. Bruce Arians is a chirper, always has been. Talks bleep. I'm talking way back to his playing career, Virginia Tech, all his coaching career. He talks. He's got something to say, which is fine, but it exacerbates uh, tension amongst the team, especially that rivalry, which he's been part of as a coach before. If you watch the tape back, he's yelling at referees. He's yelling at players. Marcus Lattimore's turning around and talking to him. Lattimore's talking to his... I mean, it's, Bruce Arian was there. He is part of this for sure. So if he's still the coach, then why did you kick him out of here? It looks very strange. Very, very strange. I think he should be back in the booth, not only because he chirps and because he played a role in that thing, but like, dude, you're not the coach. It's very awkward. I don't like that at all, and I like that the league reached out to it. They obviously feel the same as me. I've said from the uh, earlier this week, I think Mike Evans, I I can't come up with a good excuse why he shouldn't be suspended. I know Brady spoke up for him on his behalf, and I appreciate that because, you know, it was this heroic thing where he said, you know, I had to come and rescue Brady. First of all, Brady was not like in this old-timey movie tied with rope to the train tracks and he needed saving by the guy in the top hat and the mustache who was tying him up. He was sitting there having an exchange and talking bleep like he's done a thousand times in his career. There was this whole like Kevin Costner, Whitney Houston moment where Mike Evans had to stand up for him, which I guess is cool, but I mean, you blasted some guy right on the field and started a huge uh, fracas, as we call it. So that's a problem. My solution, though... He's suspended for a game, so he's going to miss the Packers game. Here's my take. He should be suspended for a game, but I think that Mike Evans should be suspended for the next Saints game. It will never happen. It's a hypothetical. It's in, it's in a vacuum. But I'm just saying, the problem is not with Mike Evans. The problem is with Evans and Lattimore. The problem is with Evans and the Saints. Mike Evans was not going to fight Jair Alexander or Aaron Rodgers in the Packers game, but the next time they played the Saints, it might happen again. This is a case-for-case thing. I was suspended for the Saints game, which, by the way, is in week 13. It's December 5th. That's a down-the-stretch type game that, who knows, the Bucs may really need for the one seed, for the division, for the wild card, whatever. That would hurt the Bucs. It's unprecedented, but I think if you were to look at it, say, listen, we don't trust you to play the Saints. You have to earn that back. So right now, it is way too hot. We're going to let you play for the next week, for the next several weeks, in fact. But come week 13 against the Saints, you are sitting down because you have lost your Saints' privileges. We cannot let there be three times. That's not how the NFL does the discipline, and it probably violates all kinds of things from this agreement and that agreement, his age would freak out. I'm just talking real here. I'm talking amongst us fans. He has a problem with Lattimore and the Saints and the Saints sideline. Fine. I don't blame him at all. I like it, actually. It's kind of entertaining. Should suspend him for the Saints game. Let him play. Packer has nothing to do with it. Hit him where it hurts, down the stretch game, and solve the problem where it exists. Treat the problem where it exists. It's a Buck saints thing. You should be suspended for that one. Sam, it would never happen, but do you agree with me, or am I some kind of crackpot? I mean, it's it would never happen, but it's pretty genius on your part, I, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Next, uh, Dan Campbell's Lions visit Minnesota on Sunday. So, obviously, he was up late Monday night scouting the Vikings. He was asked about yeah. how he watched the game. He said, normally, like any fan would, I fell over backwards in my chair drunk after the second half. I couldn't even take notes anymore. <laughs> Woke up, couldn't read my notes, but I'm back in this morning, took some aspirin, we're good. Kyle, your thoughts? I'm in love. I, I'm in love. That's my thought. I'm going to come back to you at the end of this, Sam. I'm going to give you a second to think. When I come back to you, hold on, not yet, I want you to think about what Dan Campbell was drinking that made him pass out in his chair. I'll come back to you in a second. In the meantime, <sighs> I, I, you try to be objective and you try to celebrate all the different coaches and you try to say, ah, oh, the Dan Campbell thing, maybe it's getting a little old. It's not. He showed up and like, hey, Dan, what'd you think of uh, the Vikings game? Well, I mean, I'm like everybody else. I was sitting in my chair just drinking and I passed out. That, that's awesome. He, he said that out loud at a press conference. Normally that'd be something you would hide. You know, it looks a little uncouth or maybe unprofessional. He doesn't do that. He's real. He's doing up-downs and hard knocks and said he hurt his wrist tripping over his dog, which maybe he tripped over his dog and maybe he had a few of those uh, Boilermakers. That's what I think it is, by the way. Boilermakers, like a shot-beer combination. And I don't know. There's some sort of Metallica lyric that goes with this. All I'm saying is like, damn it, we need Dan Campbell to win. This sucks for me this week because I need Kirk Cousins to win and I need Dan Campbell to win and they're playing against each other. 
But this just goes in the chapter. Mike McDaniel's supposed to be the most interesting coach of the year. And believe me, he's interesting. Dan Campbell's still my favorite, though. Uh, Sam Pepper, your time is up. What is Dan Campbell drinking on a Monday night before he passes out watching Vikings Eagles? What do you got? I think he was just drinking gasoline. Just sitting there drinking a <laughs> <of> gasoline. <laughs> Yeah, give me fuel, give me fire, give me double that exactly. That's absolutely perfect. Drinking gasoline, and I think he's drinking it out of the tin in that yep. like kind of elephant-looking like spout thing, just <laughs> right in there, room temperature. Are you feeling me? <laughs> yep, yeah. just like that, just guzzling. Uh, that's great. There is a guy in Over the Top who, before they wrestle Sylvester Stallone, arm wrestle, drinks gasoline just to get himself fired up. That's a great answer. I went with Boilermaker. You beat me on that with Sam. Do you have another headline? Let's just keep it going. I have, I have one more for you. Uh, there's been right, long, you there's long been rumors of a fourth installment in the Austin Powers franchise. Well, yeah. asked about it recently. Mike Myers said, quote, I'm going to put a big, firm written maybe on that. When he was asked about this back in May, by the way, he said, I can neither confirm nor deny the existence or non-existence of such a project should it exist or not exist. Kyle, do you want to see an Austin Powers 4? No, I don't want to see Austin Powers 4. I'm, I'm good on that. If it's just the, the third one was kind of gassing out already, and some of the stuff that Austin Powers did and some of the comedy that was funny at the time, he couldn't really get away with now. But I would like to see more of Mike Myers. Like Mike Myers, I think, if I'm pressed for an answer, is my favorite Saturday Night Live cast member ever. He just hit me at the right time, the right skits. I was big Wayne's World. I was big into Simon and Sprockets and just all that stuff. Scottish Soccer, Hooligan Weekly. I liked all of it. He's such an interesting case because you're waiting for... It's massive. Austin Powers, obviously, absolutely massive. Um, Shrek, massive. He is the face of two of the biggest film franchises in the last 30 years. And then now just kind of gone. And you're waiting for that almost Travolta and Pulp Fiction-like comeback. Here's the strange thing about Mike Myers, though. He's only comfortable if he is wearing a wig and doing a voice and almost in disguise. That's just what he does. And even if you've seen him recently, when he was in Bohemian Rhapsody as the uh, the record label guy, sunglasses, the accent, the wig, the cigarettes, the beard, it's always that. You can go back, he was he, should, he showed up in Inglorious Bastards as a British officer. British. Uh, this military uniform. He never just shows up in a movie as I'm Mike Myers, like I'm a, an ad exec and I'm, you know, trying to meet the girl, or I'm even like the second lead to a Channing Tatum movie where Mike Myers is his girl's dad and he just shows up and he's got a sweater on and he makes jokes and he steals scenes. Like he never does the Ben Stiller thing. He never even does the getting into comedy Robert De Niro thing. He only is comfortable in disguise. So it works for him, and always with the, the Scottish or British voice, but it's so limiting. We can't ever just have, like, the only time I remember him really doing just a guy was Sawyer Married an Axe Murderer. And he's just this guy who, yeah, he's like a beat poet and stuff and everything, but normal clothes, normal hair, he wants the girl, he ends up getting her. That's not what Mike Myers does. So I don't know if we're ever getting the Mike Myers Assance, the Myers Assance. You know, he does these weird commercials sometimes. He's done the Dr. Evil thing recently. He did the Wayne and Garth thing recently. And then if we really had time, we'd get into the Dana Carvey-Mike Myers relationship, which is fascinating and not all great. But I don't need Austin Powers. I would love to see Mike Myers write a funny script in which he just plays a guy and just leave it all on the floor. And I know he got destroyed for the love guru. Again, beard, voice, costumes, only way he rolls. But I feel like, come on, Mike, get back into that batter's box again. This, let's do it. I miss you. My favorite SNL cast member ever in some of the greatest, biggest movies, comedies of the last 25 years. I don't need another Austin Powers, but I would like to see another Mike Myers. Does that make sense, Sam? Are you with me? I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I think another Austin Powers would be pretty sad, actually. Yeah, I think maybe the third one was almost breaching on that. We, we were doing, it was Beyonce, and it's... That bastard. It was just all kinds of stuff. Um, is that brand awareness? Am I aware now of everything? That was that was a fun one. That was there's, good. There's nothing else to be aware of. That's it. <laughs> we are completely aware of everything. Nothing else is going on in the world. That's Sam Pepper's job, and that's an intrepid producer. We will see you tomorrow, my friend. Before we say goodbye, uh, this one's going to be complicated. This is when um, I throw the darts at the dartboard, and you have 20 topics. So, unfortunately, there's an 8-year-old. Come here. Get, bring me some darts. That's Calvin Brandt. Calvin, what jersey are you wearing? Justin Fields, can you can you grab a couple darts, buddy? A couple okay. darts, and uh, I have twenty topics. Um, this is Sky Cam, just a couple, two or three, 
And the producers randomly make a list of topics, and then whenever a number of the dart hits, you've seen the show before, you know how it works. That's what I talk about. Come here, Calvin. Come here, quickly. Quickly. Time is money, bud. Just a couple is all you need. Come over here right now. Stand behind the weights over here and throw one dart until it hits the target. That's all you need to do. Throw a dart, buddy, all right? If it hits the target, you don't need to throw another one. Nope, try again here, buddy. That's okay. Don't worry. Throw a little higher. Go on, Calvin. Nope, try again. You can hit it. If you need to go closer, that's fine. Go closer. This one doesn't have a tail on it. All right, Cal. It's only a 42-minute show. Go ahead, buddy. Just chuck it in there wherever you want. All right, just tell it. Just stick it in any number, like a fork, like a knife. All right, any any number you want. Calvin, it doesn't stick. I got to get involved now, buddy. Just stick it in there, like a knife. Quickly. Three, two, one. And he chooses. Put it in a number, Cal. In a, in, all right. We're just gonna. Oh my gosh. I love this kid. I love this kid. We're just gonna go with 20. We're gonna go with 20. And is the number of years that were just taken off my life waiting for this. I love you, bud. Um, give me 20. 20 best concert you've been to. All right, let's figure this out. Best concert, because we also did worst concert I've been to, and I just had to um, just defile the great American songwriter, Bob Dylan. Best concert I've been to, excuse me, Calvin, can you please move? I think, haven't we done enough? Thank you, bud. Um, Look, I saw, I saw Metallica in the mid-90s, shout out to Dan Campbell, when their stage was in the middle of the arena and they played in a round and the band members just walked around from microphone to microphone and just stopped. And Yes, the, Calvin, thank you very much. Um, I went to, uh, I saw, you know what, I'll just rip from the headlines and my own personal headlines. Two weeks ago I got to go to the Apollo Theater and I saw Pearl Jam and uh, you just don't get to see a band that big in a venue that small. It's about 1,500 people. You know, showtime at the Apollo tonight in Harlem. Pearl Jam played there. I was very, very, very lucky to get a ticket for Brooke and myself and sit about 10 feet from my favorite band of all time, who, I don't know, it's unbelievably inspiring. As you're older, as your bands get older and as you get older, if they can still do it, if you can still see them on stage, and man, they still got it, they can still hit the notes and shred the solos. It's very, very inspiring. I'm watching Pearl Jam and a couple of their band members are pushing 60 and they're still banging out. Sure, they play the new stuff, but it's still Why Go, Even Flowed, you name it, Yo, Ledbetter. It's inspiring as hell. So I've gotten to go to some really good concerts, but I think the most motivated I ever was from seeing Eddie Vedder at 50 some years old still screaming out, spin the black circle and do, do the evolution and all the songs that I was fist pumping to when I was a freshman in college. So if you get a chance to see your favorite bands ever, even if you gotta travel for them, even if it's not the same lineup, even if the set list isn't what you want, Go see him. You'll get inspiration for yourself. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Josh Allen. Thank you to you guys. Thank you to Calvin Brandt, the world's most foremost eight-year-old darts player. Uh, and thank you for Justin hey. Fields. Similar accuracy, I think, on Justin Fields and Calvin Brandt right now. But we're working on it. We love you. See you tomorrow in the basement.